We have somebody on the show who's a friend of the show. He's been a co-host of mine. He's been a guest of mine. And he's had his own radio show that starts in the hour before mine. And we're glad that he's going to be coming back on next month in April. But we thought we'd give you a little preview, a little a little like a sample platter today. Mark <laughs> Levine is back in the House, a delegate in the Virginia State General Assembly representing Virginia's 45th District. He's a former legislative counsel to Democratic Congressman Barney Frank and the House Judiciary, Homeland Security, and Financial Services Committees. He's going to be making his return to the airway hosting the Inside Scoop right here on the Leslie Marshall Show Network starting on April 4th. Mark, have you missed it in the broadcasting at all? Are you glad to be coming back? It'll be fun to come back. I I, I really enjoyed what I was doing down there serving in Richmond, and uh, our session is over, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back on the air. Now, was it has been, and, and being a delegate in the Virginia State General Assembly representing the 45th District there in the great state of Virginia. Has it been as rewarding as you hoped it would be, better, worse? Be honest with all of us. We're all a family here. It's been both better and worse. Um, There are things that surprised me that were more wonderful than I imagined and things that were worse than I imagined, honestly. I mean, I hadn't done that before. As as you said, I was a staffer in Congress. I was uh, Barney Frank's uh, lawyer, and that was – in some ways, it was similar. In some ways, it was different. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a very different atmosphere. I mean, Congress, Washington, D.C., is a very cosmopolitan place, people from all across the country. Uh, Virginia has its own unique ways. And, you know, Richmond, Virginia, Virginia I live in a part of Virginia that's uh, a suburb of Washington, D.C., northern Virginia, that's, uh, again, a pretty cosmopolitan place. But, uh, you know, the rest of Virginia is, is pretty southern. And they're, it kind of reminded me of my roots at Nashville, Tennessee. It, it, it's... It's it's a different kind of place. <laughs> I had to reconnect to uh, to to my my place of birth, I guess, to to uh, talk to people down there. And and but um, it, it was um, it was very fast. It, 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 it was fast paced in the sense that I would I would get up you know early in the morning and go till late at night, and there'd be uh, we, I must have voted on a, probably a thousand different bills. And, you know, I had a little sympathy, I guess, for, for legislators because they like, how could you not read that bill before you vote on it? Well, when you get a thousand bills in uh, you know, the course of about uh, 40 days, it is hard to read each and every line of each and every bill. And it, it's easy to make mistakes, and it's just part of the problem with the legislative process. So I guess I have a little more sympathy for politicians now than I once did. Um, Lots of stories. I don't know where you want me to start, but uh, it, I mean, I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I'm there. I'm glad I'm going to keep doing it. Hopefully, I'll be reelected another year. But I'm also glad to be done and, and coming back on the radio with you, mostly because I've missed talking about the presidential election, which is crazy. And I haven't been able to talk about that for several months. And and we're going to in this hour. But first, I want to talk about the work that you're doing. Uh, One of the things, and I knew you would, you really just jumped in. And and I think you've done more in that position than many other people are or have. Uh, We don't want to, you know, uh, get anybody upset or ruffle any feathers with that. But, um, you know, tell some folks about some of the things, legislation you've put forth and, and whether they were successful or not. And certainly talk about the successes. Well, sure. Um, I, I think I did a lot more than most uh, what, what they call freshman legislators. Uh, your first year, you're kind of expected to sit back, learn the process, and not get too actively involved yet. It, it's sort of uh, expected that you sort of learn the ropes. I, I really didn't feel like I had time for that. I didn't want to wait a year before I actually did something that mattered. So I kind of 
learned by doing and, and, and learned as I went along. I, I think maybe made some mistakes in the process. But um, I, I, basically, I was, I, I was satisfied with what I did. I guess there's three main things I did. I put forward very progressive legislation, which I expected to fail and did fail, but kind of set the markers for the future. It kind of showed my constituents that I was fighting for them, kind of showed where I wanted to go. And in some ways, I pushed the law forward, even though they rejected a lot of progressive things that, that I fought for. I got promises by people to work behind the scenes to go somewhere in that direction. So that was good. That was sort of one group of stuff. And that's everything from paid family medical leave to raising the minimum wage to uh, decriminalizing marijuana to uh, gay rights to um, uh, just a whole bunch of things that, that most progressives stand for. And, and that, that I didn't think would succeed, and it didn't. But, again, I think I laid the mark, down the marker. And then I had a bunch of bills that were much more bipartisan, that were things that weren't particularly uh, Democratic, Republican, left-right issues. Uh, and three of those did pass. And one, for example, allows uh, emergency medical technicians, like you know, firefighters and ambulance uh, workers, to cross state lines, which makes a lot of sense. If we have an emergency in Northern Virginia, and people from D.C. can help, or people from Maryland can help, or vice versa. We in Virginia can cross the bridges and go to D.C. or Maryland. We shouldn't be prevented by the arbitrary state lines from helping out in an emergency. And that was something that uh, got bipartisan support. It wasn't a left-right issue, and, and I worked with some Republicans across the aisle, and, and that bill passed. Um, my gun legislation didn't pass. You, you can imagine that even though most of America agrees with us on on basic things like background checks and not allowing little children to handle loaded weapons, <laughs> pretty simple things like that, not allowing terrorists to buy guns, having a background check for the Internet. Those didn't succeed. They, they were considered too progressive. And then I, I guess the third thing I did was I played defense, and that's the part that I kind of grew into the role where it's not my bill. It's a bill I've never seen before, but no one's contesting it. It's just you know sliding through, and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think we should do this weaken ethics laws, or I don't think we should take money from domestic violence victims, or I don't think we should uh, tell someone who's dying that they can't have pain relief in hospice. And that wasn't even my issue. None of them were. Uh, well, domestic violence was. But, but the other two issues weren't mine. I just saw the bill and decided, hey, this is a bad bill. And I took bills that would have fell through uncontested and, uh, you know, made a speech about it on the floor, offered amendments, and hopefully the governor, who's a Democrat, will veto some of these really bad bills. So playing defense, I think, in many ways was as important as the bills that, that I put forward. And, and is – do you – you know, I was listening to something today, and I thought of you, and I thought it's ironic you're coming on the show today because it was talking about people and interviewing people here in Los Angeles who are running for local offices uh, such as you are and that you – as in your position, have more of a direct influence on men and women's lives every day than really their congressional members or the president does? Well, I don't know about more than the president. I won't go that far. But it's certainly true that state laws affect us in our daily lives more than federal law. I mean, crimes, uh, virtually all of them are state laws. Uh, that's you know, uh, things like um, regulating, uh, you know, workplace or regulating um, uh, just just day to day life. That's that's mostly state law. You're getting married, state law. Now there are federal laws that that uh, you know cover more and more things, and, and I'm not going to say they're not important. But um, I, I think the difference is people know 
hopefully, who their federal Congress member of Congress is or their senators are. Uh, they almost never know who their state legislators are. Uh, and it, it's, it's not really your fault. I mean, I, I don't think I knew growing up who, who my state legislators were. I, I focused on it because that's what I do now. But I really want to encourage everyone to get out there and vote for the Democratic state. Wherever you live, vote for the Democrat. Because let me give you an example of where state really matters. We draw the district lines. So uh, the reason why the House of Representatives is Republican has nothing to do with the national vote. It has nothing to do with President Obama. It has nothing to do with, with almost any of that. The reason why it's Republican is because they drew the district lines in the state legislature. Uh, these people who you probably don't even know who they are, it, there are too many Republicans in control of too many state legislatures. So even though the Democrats won more votes than the Republicans in 2012, in the House of Representatives, that Republicans still control the House. And, you know, it's funny because both Republicans and Democrats are mad at the Republicans who run Congress. It's not just Democrats who are mad at them. Republicans really don't like the current establishment. But that's because nobody voted them in. They're voted in because of the district line. I won't say nobody, but few people voted them in because that's how the lines are gerrymandered at the state level. So state elections really matter, and all too often, unfortunately, we Democrats only get out once every four years, as if that's the only election, and they're not. State elections matter just as much, whether they're primaries or general elections. Really, you should vote in every election that comes your way. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with our buddy Mark Levine and yours right after this. Hey, by the way, you want to join us? Pick up the phone. He's coming back in April, first week. 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number to call. Follow us on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall. And uh, I'll get all of Mark's information in case he changed Twitter uh, since becoming a delegate and being elected to that position. Uh, We'll take a break, and we'll be back with you, Mark Levine, and your calls right after this. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life, real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Delegate in the Virginia State General Assembly representing Virginia's 45th District, Mark Levine. And he's going to be back hosting the Inside Scoop here on the Leslie Marshall Show Network starting April 4th. Um, and, uh, you know, so much to talk about. Do you want to get into the race? This is the smart. Let's do the second half of the uh, the race, okay? Um, so I do want to talk about the uh, children of domestic violence, the Arlington gun stores, and the right to hospice. Um, and can you share with us pieces of those in this segment, Mark? Sure. Uh, so these are uh, three things that, that uh, I worked on in the Virginia General Assembly, uh, one that got a lot of uh, press and, frankly, interesting pressure was there's a massive gun store that's being opened um, not very far from my district in Arlington. 
And a number of people in the neighborhood said, we don't want this gun store there. It's across from a preschool and a daycare center. We don't think four-year-olds should be, you know, looking at people buying, uh, you know, semi-automatic or even fully automatic machine guns, which they sell there, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the problems that that kind of uh, store in the neighborhood brings. And what's fascinating is I got back uh, a couple dozen emails from constituents. They're very glad. Phone calls, you know, very supportive. Uh, and uh, other people in, in Arlington, Alexandria. And then somebody put my name on a some national gun list, and suddenly I got hundreds and hundreds of emails. None of them were constituents, but from Wyoming and from Alabama and from California, and uh, you know, just all decrying what a horrible thing I did when I said that we don't want this gun store in our neighborhood. And it just shows you, I mean, they certainly don't share my values. They don't share the values of my constituents, but they were really trying to intimidate me to back down. Obviously, I didn't. Um, two other issues that, that, I, that I dealt with that, uh, and again, we probably should have a longer discussion on, on both of them because they're, they're big issues. Maybe I'll talk about them when I, when I come back to the show on, on uh, Monday, April 4th. One is uh, the right to hospice care. I hadn't really even thought about this issue much, but when someone is dying and in great pain, I think they have the right to get pain relief. And there are some apparently religious assisted living facilities where these people live that don't want to provide them this pain relief for their own religious reasons. Frankly, I don't can't think of a, a, a religion that I have much sympathy for that would do such a thing. But uh, one of the bills I fought was a bill in Virginia to say that they could refuse someone dying this last bit of pain care. They'd force them to find oh a new Oh, my God, that's terrible. terrible. Yeah, it is terrible, and that's, that's what I said on the House floor. But there's this Republican principle that uh, your religion sh- should take a back seat to the majority's religion, which I think, frankly, is a violation of the Establishment Clause. But this idea, well, you know, you're in this facility, and it's not your religion, and you should practice the religion of that facility. And I'm thinking to myself, a a person dying and in pain, who's more sympathetic and vulnerable than that? And I I, I delivered a powerful speech. This is is a a measure that was going to go uncontested. And uh, when I was done speaking, got um, most of the Democrats on my side and and we got uh, a number of no votes up there, and, and hopefully the governor will veto that bill. And then, um, well, I'll have, I think I'll save domestic violence to another time. I know we're coming close on the uh, on the hour here. But uh, do we have time to talk about that? Um, I think we do. I think we have a little more than a okay. minute, maybe right. two, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I haven't been watching. The, i, I got to get used to watching the, the clock again. Um, <laughs> well, on that one, it was um, – Basically, the Republicans were trying to take money from a fund that goes to battered women's shelters, domestic violence shelters, and to prosecuting abusers because they decided that they were going to use the money instead to teach victims of domestic violence how to use firearms. You see, for them, guns are always good. And what they don't know, I guess, is the statistics that show that even if you arm someone who's a victim of domestic violence, the gun is three to five times more likely to be used against her than against the, the abuser. Uh, then, then, so it's, it's counterproductive. People think that they have more power when they have a gun, but if you don't know what you're doing with a gun, it's, it's very likely to be used against you. So I was uh, really upset that they would take money from very useful things, you know, a, a shelter where, where a victim could escape, and instead giving it to firearms. But I don't know. There's something about Republicans and their guns. They just they, they really love their guns and are willing to sacrifice all kinds of basic principles just to, 
just to have a gun. I don't, I don't really understand it. But and, and, and you know what's sad? When you first started to say what this was about, Republicans, you know, trying to prevent, you know, and, you know, when you just started your first sentence, I thought it's sad that I'm not surprised. Yeah, well, it, it, it's funny where people's priorities are. I mean, I think a progressive's priorities are protecting vulnerable people, people in pain, people suffering, people who are trying to find escape and shelter. And Republicans tend to want to just give more people more guns. As if that's some magic answer. And instead, of course, it's a lot more people dead. Uh, yeah, no question. Guys, how much time do we have? Okay, go ahead. 90 seconds. What do you want to say in the last 90 about your work? Because we're going to talk presidential uh, election. Uh, I'll say up. this. The thing I think that surprised me most was how much the personal matters. Uh, I've been dealing with policy for you know 15 years. It's very easy for me. Uh, even though there was a thousand bills to go through and, and, and analyze them and decide what I that I care about, but personal relationships are very very important in any legislature. And you can often get something you want done not by persuading someone that it's a good idea, but by just being a likable person. And it's interesting because Ted Cruz, this is a good segue, is so unlikable that it shows you how he would have real difficulty getting anything done. Uh, yeah, that is the diplomacy and relationships. Uh, you know, we're, right. uh, we're going to uh, be back. When we come back, we're going to ask you a fun question to kick it all off, and we'll see. Uh, I think you'll have a good chuckle. I'm Leslie Marshall. We're going to be coming back with our buddy, and let me give you uh, all the contact information for Mark Levine. Now, he's going to be coming back right here on the Leslie Marshall Show Network starting on April 4th, hosting the Inside Scoop, returning to the airways April 4th. And right now, in addition, he is a delegate in the Virginia State General Assembly representing Virginia's 45th District. You can follow Mark on Twitter still at Mark Levine Talk. That's Levine with an E for empathy, as he says, M-A-R-K-L-E-V-I-N-E Talk, not Mark Levin. The website is markfordelegate.com and also marklevinetalk.com. Back with him, back with you right after this. Get in line now if you want to chat, 888-6-LESLIE. today as a guest but on april 4th the inside scoop returns to the airwaves here on the leslie marshall show network hosted by none other than our buddy and yours mark levine who's also a delegate in the virginia state general assembly representing virginia's 45th district okay mark i hope you haven't been reading twitter during the break (laughs) i haven't Uh uh-oh what what, what do we have there good 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 you're gonna like this mark and andrew came up with this and i thought it was fun and they said, you know, you and Mark haven't spoken in a while. And he said, um, what's well, been a year, six months? No, it's been three months since December. Okay, so here's the question. You ready? All right. All right. I'm ready. Go. If, a fr- if you woke up from a three-month coma, <laughs> how would you explain the 2016 presidential race to them? 
If a friend woke up, excuse me, if a friend woke up from a three-month coma, how would you explain what's been happening the past ninety day, the past I'd month? Say so first you're gonna, I'd say first you're going to need to sit down. <laughs> and you need to understand that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not joshing you. I, I'm not pulling your leg. I know that sounds fantastical, but but you know you've been in a coma. You got to understand this. This has actually happened. Donald Trump, you know, that joke candidate, the one that just entered the race to sort of sell his products and see how far he could go, is leading and is likely to be the Republican nominee for president. Wait, wait, no, don't go, don't faint, don't go back in that coma. No, oh, we lost him. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> okay, let's see what some people on Twitter said. We just posted this. Bradley says, I would insist it is relatively unimportant and the many people who think it. Uh, it's super colossal are amusing. Susan says an alien spaceship landed and took away all the same people and left all the Dane Brett brain dead apprentice viewers. That's a good one. Susan like that. Michael says three months. They'd believe you go back a year and they'd probably request to be put back under Dino says, explain what has happened. Then say, let me hit you on the head with any luck. You'll wake up in four years. Uh, <laughs> but I'm bummed. Uh, okay. That's uh, so, so far. We have uh, more folks. Give us a buzz at 8886 Leslie just have some fun with this if you had a friend wake up from a three month coma okay um or well Mark and I it's three months okay I, I guess we could say it could be more if you had a friend that woke up from a coma three six months even a year ago how would you explain the presidential 2016 race to them we didn't need to go based on our timeline with me and Mark I guess right uh but that's why we picked it because you and I last talked if somebody woke up from a three-month coma how would you explain what's been happening in the presidential race here in 2016? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 to have some fun. Now, in the past three months, a lot of things have happened. Mark and I need to talk about some stuff because we haven't been able to. And we love to talk about things we disagree. We love to fight but and debate. Uh, but uh, this is something we agree on. Now, in the last three months, you endorsed my candidate, my girl, Hillary Clinton, correct? I did. I did. Actually, three months ago, before I left uh, the airwaves, I, I endorsed Hillary Clinton. Yes. And, 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 te- and tell us why. Well, I, first of all, I think she's going to make a fantastic president, and I do think she's going to be our next president. I don't want anyone to be complacent and not vote, because if you're complacent, we might, get, um, we might all have to move to Canada. But um, I, nonetheless, I do think she'll be our next president, and I think she'll be a very good one. You know, I've talked on the air before. I've worked with Hillary Clinton when she was a senator from New York, and I was working for Congressman Barney Frank. I had the occasion to actually work with her. Uh, on a, a defensive matter, I talked about the importance of defense and legislating, and it was to stop George Bush from discriminating against people in his faith-based initiative. And it, it was great because Hillary Clinton truly understands detail. She really gets not just the top-level stuff. I mean, she's in many ways the opposite of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is all bombast, and he's in that way, I think he's, he's more interesting and more entertaining. But Hillary Clinton is like a, a well-oiled computer. She knows it all. She gets it all. I think sometimes she has trouble expressing herself in the sense of, you know, the way that, that Bill Clinton or, or even Donald Trump, who, who I don't certainly uh, I don't agree with anything he says, but he, he is entertaining. So she's in many ways his opposite. She's less entertaining but far more serious. She understands the details of policy, and I think she's going to be a great president. I really do. 
Uh, you know, why do you think that she'll beat Donald? Now, I know the polls say, but we can't always go by polls, hello, Michigan. And what happened to Michigan there? She had a double-digit lead within, you know, days of the election in Michigan, the primary in Michigan. And, and you know, Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, beat her in that state. So, you know, we can't always go by polls. Polls show her having a lead um, over uh, Donald Trump. Um, but polls also show Bernie Sanders having a lead on a national level over uh, Donald Trump. Um, why do you think uh, Hillary – do you think Hillary would have a better chance? I would imagine you do. That's why one of the reasons you endorsed her of uh, beating Donald Trump and why. I do. And by the way, I mean absolutely no disrespect to, to Bernie Sanders. I think in, in many ways Senator Bernie Sanders is the heart of the progressive movement, I like to say, whereas uh, Hillary Clinton is the mind of the progressive movement. That doesn't mean Bernie Sanders isn't smart. What it means is that he is willing to go out there and defend progressive principles, come what may, and that may mean that he'll be less effective as a president. I, I think that um, Hillary Clinton knows all the details, as I said, knows how to pay for it. Um, and I think Bernie Sanders represents something we might hope to see, but we would never see. I, look, he's winning in all the polls now because no one's really attacking him. Hillary Clinton isn't attacking him. I think that um, she and he have have generally had a very um, uh, agreeable race. I mean, they don't agree on on a you know they disagree on policy, but they've been very nice to each other, very polite. Really, the opposite of the food fight going on in the Republican Party. Something to be very proud of, and I I'm, and I'm very glad to have Bernie Sanders there. I don't think he could beat uh, most Republicans. I don't know if he could beat Donald Trump, but uh, he's. So, I mean, he is a socialist. He's a democratic socialist. And I, like most Americans, believe in a mixture of socialism and capitalism. I'm not a pure socialist. Few Democrats are, which puts him well to the left of the average Democrat and therefore far to the left of the middle American. And I think that having a self-proclaimed socialist run and being our democratic nominee might mean that we get a Donald Trump on the other side. And uh, it, it's again, I, I value his principles. I agree with a lot of what he has to say. But I think he's too far left to win a general election. Um, I do. Uh, I do agree with you. Now let's talk about the like you said. She hasn't attacked Donald Trump as of yet. However, he is going to attack like crazy. Always, he already has an ad out, which we're going to talk about in the next hour. Um, with every time it shows Hillary opening her mouth, uh, it's a dog barking, which just makes me sick to my stomach. Um, so, I, I, I he's better at attacking. It would seem because he, you know, better in the sense of he goes there. He goes where you shouldn't goes blue, as they say. And in addition to that, his supporters seem to like it and it seems to increase his popularity. I fear that could happen between July and November. Am I wrong? Uh, uh, Well, I think his popularity among his base is extremely strong. I do not think his base which is mostly uneducated white people, uh, I don't think that's the majority of America. It's a substantial part of America, but I don't think it's the majority. It's very important, I think, that Hillary Clinton stay above it all. I think Marco Rubio made a terrible uh, tactical error. He said, well, Donald Trump talks about all kinds of you know, gross things. I'm, I'm going to go there. I'm going to start talking about the size of Donald Trump's hands and you know, we all know where that went. Uh, it, it, she should not, and I don't think she will, get in the gutter with Donald Trump. She's got to stay presidential. She's got to stay above it all. That doesn't mean she shouldn't respond, but she should respond by saying, you know, true things about Donald Trump's businesses, about defrauding people at Trump University, about all the people he put out of work when he bankrupted his companies, about all the businesses that he's brought up abroad, about the fact that he would 
you know, help transfer more wealth from uh, working class people to the wealthy. She's got she's got to bring that up, but she shouldn't go personal. If he shows a dog barking, she shouldn't show a dog barking. She's she's got to stay above it, and I think she will. Um, let let Saturday Night Live go there. Uh, there are plenty of ways to make fun of Donald Trump. She can't be the one doing it. Let others do it. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll take some calls and talk more about what's going on in the race, and we'll talk you know, more about the Republicans as well with my buddy and yours, Mark Levine, coming back April 4th with the Inside Scoop hosting that here on the Leslie Marshall Show Network. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Take some calls. How does that sound? Sure. Okay, awesome. Uh, let's start it out with Dave in Humboldt County, who loves you and misses you, Line 2, listening on KGOE Radio. Dave, good afternoon. Hey, Mark. Good to hear you coming back to radio, old friend. It's been a long time. I gather now you've had the chance to experience a lot firsthand of what we've talked about for years. And one of those issues is that how does this big corrupt special interest that is Wall Street, 1%, a fraction of 1% of our people managed to gain 50-some percent control of government at every level, state, federal, county, whatever. And uh, that's what we're experiencing again. You know, you spoke of two people that we admire, Hillary, Bernie, but we have here an example of where big corrupt corporations that are offering big money, you must be in that predicament now where they're oh, yeah. in return Absolutely. you to behave the way we want you to behave. Bernie Absolutely. Bernie, I did, did. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Finish up. Well, that's why so much of us respect immensely a Bernie who is saying, no, I'm not taking your money. He's accepting that Tomasa can give 10 20 Thirty, forty dollars, and that's where it's at. And so he's got more money than anybody. People respecting the hell out of him. You see where he shows up, this big crowd, but somehow they're saying, "No, no, no." He really sort of in the background. He doesn't have a chance. He's just a little too honest for government today. Well, he's not too honest for a lot of us. Good to hear and, you. And, back. and let me and let me tell you, Dave. I fully respect uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. I respect his supporters. We do have to come together after the Democratic nomination is over. If Bernie Sanders should win the nomination, I, I don't think he will. But if he would, I would heartily support him, of course, in, in November. And, uh, you know, we have to work together. But, you know, I think in the primary, you, you should be free to vote your heart. And if people want to go out and vote for Senator Sanders, I, I can't blame them. I, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, let, let me say just a, a couple things, because when you and I first talked, and, and this is more than 10 years ago when I started on radio, Dave, and, and you're one of my earliest listeners, one of the biggest issues that you had at the time, uh, and I know you'll remember this, is that you wanted to have voter-verified 
a paper ballot. You didn't want uh, machines that could be corrupted and, and hacked into and changed. I want to let you know something I did in Virginia, Dave, and I'm thinking of you. I put forward a bill to say that we would get rid of all electronic voting machines in Virginia. Um, I tried to get it done for uh, next year, for 2016, for 2017. Uh, that failed, but I was able to work out a compromise with, my, uh, with the Republicans on the other side, and they're going away in 2020. So I didn't get everything. So, and so that people I, understand, Mark, a, a couple yeah. of the obviously for errors and fraud. But what type of a process uh, or um, if not the machines, do you like it better when it's just actual people counting ballots? Because obviously humans not only err, but, you know, we saw it, it, we saw there was a news report that there were Republicans outside of, you know, places for, you know, voters. I think it was in Florida that said Democrats couldn't vote there. But the, the way it works um, is uh, that all the machines by 2020 in Virginia are going to be where you fill in the ovals and then a machine counts them. And the nice thing about that is the machine counting them gets rid of a lot of human error in counting, but the actual paper ballots prevents fraud because anyone who challenges with a machine count can simply look at the actual pieces of paper filled out by voters. And so it's, it's the best of both worlds, and it prevents fraud. And, and that, um, again, that's already the case for about half the machines in Virginia now. And it'll, it, according to this law, which we got passed, it's going to be for all machines awesome. by 2020. Awesome. So that's Dave, one of the things Dave, I did get accomplished. Dave, I want to share with Dave because I know it's an important issue to him. Okay, okay. awesome. Dave, thank, thank you for the call. Thank you so much for that, Mark. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Dave. One more quick thing I, I should tell about Dave um, is that, I'm already being pressed very hard by all kinds of lobbyists for all kinds of business interests, and I can understand why it's so easy just to do what they say. That's not really been who I've been about. And, in fact, when a large company named Dominion, uh, electric power company, got some oil spilled in the Potomac River, I was the first representative to call them on it, even though Dominion gives a lot of money to a lot of people in the General Assembly. Let's go to more calls. On Line 4 in Phoenix is John listening on KPHX 1480 AM. Hey, John, good afternoon. Question or comment? Uh, comment. I say, I'm a Bernie supporter, but if Hillary gets the nomination, I'll, I'll support her and vote for her, and I think all of us who support Bernie should do that if she's nominated. However, I choose Bernie over Hillary because I think she's too much of a corporatist. She's too status quo, and she's got too many people of organized crime working on her campaign. And by organized crime, I mean Wall Street people. And I think if she gets elected, she'll buckle to Wall Street like nobody's business. Marco, you know, what, do you, I, what do you think about that? I think the answer is she. she I, I, I agree she won't be as tough on Wall Street as probably Bernie Sanders would be. But I think that to do the kind of change we need in this country, it, it's, it's hard to do radical change. It's really hard to do a revolution. Uh, the, most revolutions are accompanied by violence. But... She's someone, I think, who will be quite strong against Wall Street. Maybe not quite as strong as Bernie Sanders, but with, for example, the Dodd-Frank bill, which was written by my former boss, Congressman Barney Frank. I think we're going to get into this too-big-to-fail problem again. A lot of it has to do with the regulations. I think President Hillary Clinton would be very strong on the regulations, and I, I think she'll be very tough on Wall Street. Now, you know, she might not go as far as Bernie Sanders would, but you've got to remember she needs Congress. And right now, the Republicans control both houses of Congress, and I think she's a deal-maker. I think she's very much like her husband in that regard. And she's not pure like Bernie Sanders, or some would say even Al Gore was much more pure in that sense. But sometimes purists don't do very well as president. I look at someone like Jimmy Carter. 
who was not, I don't think, a successful president. I think sometimes you got to get in the weeds. you got to make deals. I couldn't get that voting machine that I wanted by 2017, but instead of walking away with my tail between my legs, I went to the Republicans who controlled it and made a deal for 2020, which is the second best option. And sometimes I think you've got to work together and compromise and get your second best option uh, rather than holding out for the first best and getting nothing. And, and I do think that's the kind of president she would be. I agree. I think she has shown that in her record. She's worked with the Republicans, uh, you know, more so and more, success, more successfully than Senator Sanders. And even though people say that she wouldn't be as tough on Wall Street, at the end of the day, whether the president wants to be tough on Wall Street or not, unless Congress, which, like you said, is Republican Wall Street butt kissing, uh, you know, majority in the House and the Senate, nothing's like like Hillary says, Bernie, you have great ideas. But you can't get, you know, the ideas passed. Uh, let's go next to uh, Jake is in Eureka on line three. Jake, good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. I'd just like to say I agree with Mark. I think Hillary Clinton is going to be a very effective general election candidate. Uh, not only are large numbers of Republican women going to cross over and vote for Hillary in November, uh, she can actually win some southern states like Florida and Virginia, for instance, which Democrats need to be able to win in order to win the White House. Uh, I I agree with you there. And uh, something that just came out, there's a poll that shows a quarter of Republicans say they may vote for Hillary in 2000, this year of 2016. Uh, Mark, uh, to our caller's point, um, how how do you think she's going to fare in the southern states or Florida? And I say that because, uh, how do I say this delicately? Well, some of the things and groups that Trump appears appeals to tend to reside in those southern states in Florida. Well, I do think she's got a, a, a very good chance in my home state of Virginia. Um, I know Virginia well. Obviously, I serve here in the legislature. Uh, she won 63%, I believe, in the Virginia primary. And Virginia is a state that is really a very purple state. Uh, we're pretty much split down the middle. Uh, but we're leaning blue, and at least the Democrats do come out and vote every four years. Again, I'd like them to vote every year and and there's an election and not not just every four years. But um, I do think she'll win Virginia. And with Virginia, I think she'll win the White House. She actually doesn't need Ohio or Florida, but she absolutely needs Virginia. She can win Florida and Ohio, but to me, that's that's a little bit more because I think those states are more purple than Virginia. Florida is really interesting because while the Cuban community uh, supported Marco Rubio, I don't think they're going to be a big fan of Donald Trump, and certainly other Latinos even more so aren't. I think the black vote will come out very strong. Latino agents, really any immigrant group, should fear Donald Trump. And, yes, Hillary will get a lot of votes from people who who are voting against him. Uh, One minute left, uh, less than a minute. Last line of the show, Mark, quick. Uh, I would just say that I'm coming back. Monday, April 4th, uh, Leslie's talked about that, and I'm really looking forward to getting back on the air and talking with all of you about everything. We haven't even gotten to Justice Scalia's replacement yet. We're going to get to that as well when I come back in a few weeks. Awesome. Mark, thanks. Uh, Good to have you with us. We missed you. Uh, Mark Levine, delegate in the Virginia State General Assembly representing Virginia's 45th District. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Levine Talk. The website, markfordelegate.com or marklevinetalk.com. Hour three, wide open telephone straight ahead.